Love the control. Love the command. Love the spacebar and the hard return. Love the words from East Leeds FM. Welcome to Love the Words here on East Leeds FM. This evening, an interview with Pavez Kadir, the writer, director, actor from Over the Hills in Rochdale. After that, a second episode of Jimi Andrex's Weekly Pandemical. Then, an interview with David Anoon, the poet, about his new collection. Followed by Julia Deakin and also Ros Kendall. Both writers have been kind enough to send in their work. Finally this evening, an interview by our young people in Next Generation Foundation. That's one of the courses we run for young people here at Chapel FM. We have an interview with uh, Fiona Gell and Ian Harker from Leeds Lit Fest about the third Leeds Lit Fest, which begins tomorrow. That's Tuesday, the 2nd of March. Love the words on East Leeds FM. So, you're listening to... Love the words on East Leeds FM. And I'm talking to the writer, producer, director, he's all kinds of stuff, Pavez Kadir. Hello, Pavez. Hi, Peter. How are you? I'm very well, thanks. So, uh, how are you today? Um, I'm all right. I'm a bit tired, uh, but I'm good because I spent all yesterday in the rain uh, and in the wind filming uh, a short documentary that I'm doing so it's nice to be outside being creative and doing some filming so uh, something I really love but you know as you know the weather you just take it all in your stride so yeah I'm feeling a little bit tired today but all good. So tell us about the documentary you're making. So this has been funded by my local authority which is in Rochdale and it's to make a resource for young people around domestic abuse but really promoting healthy relationships um, because obviously we know during the pandemic there has been a huge spike in numbers around uh, domestic abuse but particularly uh, maybe young people might be around it or might be involved in it but what it is it's looking at those issues but also promoting what is a healthy relationship between friends or, or partners or generally around people they know so it's uh, hopefully creating a resource that will often be a platform for debate and discussion around some really difficult subject matters but you've got a visual stimulus to to start that discussion of what teachers have brilliant and this is in the rochdale area yeah 
but the, yeah, it'll be a resource. Often the films I make, you know, uh, Council Share, uh, and some of the films have uh, gone as far as New York. You get people through social media getting into it, saying, "Oh, I've seen your film in Australia." So once it's up in uh, out in the sort of social media circles, it, it just travels uh, and travels. But a lot of schools and a lot of local authorities uh, utilise the same resource. Fantastic! I saw, I saw actually one of your films was uh, was it Cannes. Uh, yeah, yeah, a good while ago. A good while. One of the first things I did, uh, it was called Ringer King, and um, it was just about a day in the life of this cabbie and all the people that sort of sat in his cab, and he had this massive. Well, he was the wrong person to be a cabbie because he had massive OCDs about cleaning, and it was just this idea of people coming in and, and infecting it, whether through conversation or things that they were doing that they shouldn't be doing in the back of the cab. So it was a kind of a dark comedy. Great, sounds brilliant. Um, so you do lots of stuff, Bavez. I mean, if if you're at a party with yeah. people who, or not that we go to parties these days, ho ho. Yeah. <laughs> but but if but yeah. if you were somewhere where it yeah. wasn't a sort of arts crowd or whatever, and somebody said, yeah. "What what do you do?" What would you say? Peter, it's a good question. I always often take a deep breath and go, where do I start? Because I feel like I've uh, constantly reinventing myself, but each each kind of role has led me to where I am now. So I originally started off many, many years ago as an actor, which I did for, for quite a while, and that has its own roller coaster ride. Uh, and then I got to a point where I felt, actually, I think I've gone as far as I can with this journey chapter. But through sort of acting, I will, you always need a plan B, as you're told, something to kind of fall back on, as they say. So I always did uh, workshops in the community, and I really love that. And that was drama projects uh, with the youth service or local authority said, look, can you work with this community, do something uh, creative. So then I got, uh, once I kind of left the acting, I went to teaching, and I worked with young people that are often um, sadly excluded from mainstream schools. It wasn't a fit at that particular time in their world. So I did that for quite a while that and then I had a new chapter of thought right actually I need to think and get some qualifications so I trained as a performing arts lecturer at my local college so I did that for a while and then I soon realized after a few years of that you know what I think I want to be back being more creative so then uh, I worked at Royal Exchange Theatre part-time and my local theatre company in Rochdale called M6 and uh, between my work for a week which was great in, in the creative sector and it was outreach work which I really loved working in the community getting to know what's things that they were wanting to say or they're passionate about, particularly primarily young people. And often we made films or theatre pieces, which has led me to do what I'm doing now because they were both sort of two-year contracts. So I now work for myself doing all those things, which is work with young people, funded by local authority or schools or arts council, uh, making theatre projects, whether it's film, theatre or animation. So I, I try and, <laughs> I wouldn't probably say all that, but it gives you context of where I'm at. <laughs> Yeah, it's hard for people like yes. like you, like me as well, actually do lots of different stuff. But it's it all sounds absolutely brilliant. I mean, so who would you say? I mean, you work a lot with young people, and yeah. obviously you've mentored and uh, probably had a, a fantastic effect and impact on people's lives. But I mean, in terms of your own life, working life, have there been particular mentors or formative experiences for you? I've been. It's been really interesting. And the projects I've worked with, I mean, um, I, M6 Theatre has been a huge part of my DNA because it was one of the first things I saw that was a theatre production. It came to my local school and it kind of just blew my mind. Uh, and it was a production where it involved a boat. And I, I remember in that morning, that whole 
we just laid out with just uh, tables normally. Uh, sometimes classes would go on there. And then you could hear stuff. There was a drama group coming in. You could hear noises or things being built. And we couldn't see it. But when we came out, there was a boat. And it just absolutely blew my mind in the sense of this space suddenly became something completely different. I didn't recognise it. And I just went, my imagination just went with it. I don't know if that, that was definitely a sort of, a kind of Tonesome Pole moment and then since then I've been lucky enough to act with M6 and then be employed by them so they've been uh, a huge part of the work I want to do and M6 have been going around for 40 years you know they're, they're not only locally but they're known internationally and very and critically you know well received so they've played a huge part of kind of the, the work that I do. I've talked to a few people like yourself who work in the way that we do with young people with communities and do you know it's so many i'm sure you've come across them too so many people who work in in the arts in this way say it happened at school for me this theater company came uh, in and i'll never forget it um i going off my own experience there, there is a, a real um uh, a momentum energy of being more creative schools uh realizing uh, one size doesn't fit all students and, and and generally through all of them experiencing creativity in some way you know it's one of those lovely subjects where often you just say look just be creative and you take out the right and wrongs you just say whatever you throw in it's a good idea and we'll discuss it and I've worked with some amazing schools who really encourage it it's part of their DNA and and what I've been looking fortunate enough to work with a lot of the secondary schools quite a few of the primary schools within in my local borough and when I go out within sort of Greater Manchester. The, 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 it depends really on the school and the head and the way they are uh, and what they want to bring into that school. But often you will find school pressured with academic subjects that's always been there. And I'm always trying to fight and promote as much as I can. Creativity being a huge part, always part. It should always be creativity because it, it's just, it opens your mind, your imagination. And it's not all about performing. There are lots of jobs and roles within creativity. Um, but it, it is dependent on, on the particular head where it comes from i think sadly you uh, chose a couple of tracks for us tell us about the first one uh, the first one i chose is uh sorry he's british pakistani who, who's doing incredible incredible work where he, he's done that thing where he's actually blurred the lines from being uh, a performer a rapper an actor a producer and i think he's just going to go on to do great great things and uh it's really great to have somebody like him who i'm sure who will be a role model for lots of people so it's riz ahmed and uh, he, he's done this really powerful uh, album called a long goodbye and it really is powerful stuff about it deals with racism and about which i can completely understand especially with the brexit um there was a real tide and still is around racism around that um the culture of where you're from go back to your own country all that which i can totally relate to and the track i've chosen is can i live i think it's a really powerful track please just let me live for two minutes they won't let me live the two weekend voice inside my head go to vicious so can i live I'm like dumb Ali, Ali, Ali. For Nusra Fateh Ali, Muhammad Ali, and Machiavelli trying to put Pakis 
on the telly uh, Growing up there wasn't any Now we 24-7 Either ISIS or Emmys Watching Rami sipping Remy Rep till they resent me Hope my people proud and don't forget me Hope my people don't just end up as a memory Eventually they went around us up like we cattle When I'm chatting woke on the panel Can we up the six with no paddle But I'm around us fuck it to battle They told our stories so we don't hate though we Self-hating face or bleach got me at war with me Kill us or make a killing of us Drop a bomb of fairness products Yeah But that's finishes a million of us Yeah If you don't like it, here's a dick you can suck Please just let me live for two minutes They won't let me live, they're too wicked Voice inside my head got too vicious So can I live? Was this part of the plan? Am I putting my foot down or tap dancing for the man? All the scars on my heart hurt me 50 grand unwanted by blondes. Now they ask for a tan. Some block up on my face, my people's blood on my hands. My people floating face down, my people sinking in sand. My people ain't niche, my people led a niche for his lamp. They taught us cricket and shame, I'm a teacher to stand. No man's land, I'm no land's man. We just pose on the gram and own Lambos and go like lambs. They love this rubber dinghy rapid, bro. They all shake hands. They want advice, I tell them keep your pack passport stamped. These are the lands that keep us from reaching the land. The weaker call ours, Rohingya, Uyghur, or Yang. It's deeper than that. I keep thinking we should go back. But where the fuck we gonna go, bro? We got no land Grow up bumping black star, yeah Time for a brown one Fresh back on the boat, let's go They want a south, son East and west they're clashing But cash is my only outcome Yeah, I'll go back home If you can tell me where I'm from So that was Riz Ahmed, chosen by Parvez Kadir, the writer, uh, actor, producer, director. Parvez, um, so obviously it's been, well, I'll, I'll ask you straight, how's it been for the last 10 months for you? Um, I think for a lot of people, um, it's, it's been devastating. It's, um, it's kind of rocked a lot of people to the core. I certainly did when March, when, when the rumblings were starting at the end of 2019 and then realizing soon in 2020 things were about to change at that particular moment it was the first time i had a monologue touring around the northwest um and also i was working on uh, two short films uh, i think the monologue managed to get three performances before it cancelled in march the two films just were suddenly postponed and and then suddenly what looked like the next eight months were suddenly postponed or cancelled it was a, a mixture uh, I know I still, I, I did find it quite difficult that first couple of months just because being self-employed and being creative and being a freelancer, the worry was how will this ever recover? Because you kind of think, well, when will creativity be at the forefront? So I, I just, I think after a couple of months, I just, I just thought, right, I need to be creative. So there were lots of things starting to emerge, uh, schemes and grants uh, to make and, and make stuff. So I was really fortunate, really lucky to be able to uh, secure a few. Uh, so I managed to make a couple of short films. And like everything at that particular time, it still is. It was phone footage. So I was able to be creative that way. But it's still, it's still, still uncertain times. But I do feel, I do feel there's a real momentum for creativity to be a big part of healing 
and especially around mental health and well-being of communities and young people. Do you think your own practice will change as a result of all this? It's massively has, Peter. Um, I think towards the end of last year, um, it's given me an opportunity to have a bit of time and space to think, what's next for me? What's, as I said, I think I reinvent myself or I have a new chapter. And I think uh, the next thing that I would like to do is be a bit more bolder, a bit more braver, and take work that still has digital, but maybe outdoor, non-sort of cultural art spaces to do something immersive. I'm really interested in binaural sound. Uh, I, I'd really love to do stuff around projection mapping onto particular buildings and people watch something. Um, so I've, I've taken out um, Arts Council funding. I've just applied for it. It's called Develop Your Creative Practice, which enables you to have space to work with people who are involved in that world or people you are mentors. So for me, the big thing I would like to do is work towards uh, an outdoor show, uh, an outdoor performance immersive, and probably taking some of the stuff that I've learned around the domestic abuse documentary uh, by raising awareness within the community. I think community will always run through the work I do. Have you got anything coming up in the, in the, uh, in the near future that we can look out for? So the, the, the documentary I talked about, that will be released at the end of the year because I think schools are still dealing with the, the pandemic and, and, and getting back into school. So that will be launched at, towards the end of the year. And then I also got commissioned to work with a local school who have been working with the RFK uh, Foundation, which is the Ripples of Hope. Uh, so we've been making a, a short film around the great work that the young people are doing around community work, and that's like feeding the homeless. Um, and, and so um, that's going to be hopefully out around about maybe June, but it'll be online. So And that's called This Is Us. Well, all the best with those projects, and it's been great to speak to you, Parvez. Finally, uh, you chose another track. Introduce us to it. So uh, I've probably got uh, mispronounced it, so I do apologise. Uh, it's all for Arnold's uh, Eki Hugsa, and I use this because, uh, and I play a lot of his music because, especially when I'm being creative, it's something that allows my imagination just to kind of flow and free write. So I think it's a beautiful, beautiful composition, and I really love his work. He does a lot of film scores as well. Thanks ever so much for talking to us, Powers. Thank you. Thank you.
As winter waited with its mask under its chin, it made me want to cry as I stumbled in. This humdrum miracle on an industrial scale we daren't have dreamed possible. Beyond the pale until we saw what's possible when greed's put aside and things are left to experts instead of snides the PM new at Oxford. Volunteering has its moments, but here there's a spring in the step of arrangements as Group 4, over 70 and vulnerable, appeared, wide-eyed, prepared and willing. A hopeful type from the stairs or lifts, clutching printouts or letters, as if grasping the notion that things might get better. One poor woman got carried away and sailed past the gate, two queues, plus the assessment and vaccine booths, her head in space, till the volunteers guided her back, all apologies. One old lad, clearly all pleased to be on the front foot again, forgot himself in the assessment booth and dropped his kegs like he'd done in lost youth. He didn't phase the nurse asking questions at her laptop, but the jab queue enjoyed a change in the backdrop. Us volunteers handed out leaflets and managed the queues, made jokes about Twister to break the ice like you do. We soon learned how to pinch the face masks to prevent steamed up specks and show companions where they're meant to sit and reassure them that, no, they didn't have to have their NHS number, but if they had, it'd just make things a bit quicker. Not to worry, it'll be fine. Just follow the arrows to the front of the line. A four-hour shift flies by like the muted traffic in pouring rain, full of people trying to drive as far as they can get away with just to get away from where we can't get away from to get away from being locked in. If not that, we're in a chair, murdering time, arguing with things that people we've never actually met appear in online discussions to have said, but they say they never meant. Look, this screenshot proves it before a pylon sends me out for some biscuits. On the local Facebook, where I've volunteered to spread key messages, the nonsense I'd feared is beautifully absent. For once, it's all helpful feedback, full of courtesy and relevant facts. Until one old couple who've had their jabs among the first thought the drive was inconvenient, and now they're experts in pandemic planning, and though both over 70 won't leave it alone and get all sweary. Your first reaction is violence, sarcasm or seizure, but on reflection, it sort of restores your faith in human nature. Everyone wants to tell everyone else what to do. Everyone wants to know if anyone knows anyone who can deliver a nice sandwich. Everyone wants to see everyone they've not seen for ages. Everyone wants to... Everyone wants... Everyone Love the cases, love the clauses, love the adverbs and the antecedents. Love the words. From ELFM. Support.
So you're listening to Love the Words on East Leeds FM and I'm delighted to be able to speak um, today to David Anoon, the poet uh, who's speaking to me from Wakefield about his new poetry collection Resonance Field um, with calligraphy by Thomas Ingmeyer and it's very beautiful you should really see it. So hello David. Hi there Peter, how are you doing? I'm fine thanks, how are you? I'm, I'm holding up as they, as they say. Absolutely. Um, well, tell us about uh, the poetry collection, this new one of yours. Resonance Field uh, is a collection of about 17 poems with beautiful images by the outstanding San Francisco calligrapher Thomas Ingmeyer, who's very well known throughout the uh, calligraphy world. And uh, I call it Resonance Field because a lot of the book is about the consciousness of all the connections that bind us together in nature, all the way down from um, microcellular life, from atoms and ions and electrons and all of that stuff we can't see, all the way through the insects and mammals, through us, to the sky. So I thought it was like um, an echoing magnetic field that binds us all together. Mm. And how did Thomas get involved? Well, Thomas has been involved since my publisher sent him 18 years ago um, a copy of my books. I'd been over to see a, an art exhibition in Germany and on the way stopped off in, uh, in Bruges at a gallery called Manor and I saw these wonderful, wonderful calligraphic um, pictures and I thought, who is, who is this guy? I mean, he's, he's remarkable, but they shone out from the other exhibits. So I talked to my publisher about it, and my publisher was so impressed that he, he sent Thomas some of my books. But ever since then, 18 years ago, Thomas and I have been working together off and on. And Fantastic. Well, it'd be great to, to kick off with, uh, with a, a poem from Resonance Field. So when you're ready. Okay, this is called uh, Farigal. And it's, uh, it's about an area of Provence where we were staying in the Luberon Hills um, with a very particular natural background with a Mistral wind. Um, and you'll hear in this poem how I'm enjoying thinking about connections in, in nature, but also thinking about ecology, also thinking about how we're in a threatened, um, we're in a threatened biosphere here. So it's a very ecological poem and I find myself wanting to revel at neurons and atoms and ions as well as the other wildlife around me. So Farigul, which is the local name for wild thyme. Earth, the singular essence of what we are, fluted corollas, eyes wide corridors, the Luberon hills, skeins of mist forming and evaporating, Taking a few minutes to stand and feel in space how it all spreads, how it always has, with multicellular vista, and that we are only one of its orbits. Appearing and vanishing points are everywhere around and within. And if we revel at ions and invisible atoms, so the hawk's eye and weasels and all the micromolecular intersections are matrix for our celebration and fear of losing this. And it doesn't stop there. 
these quiet guests in offices, these visitors in the house we call human, are only infinitesimally part of it. That is, I and you and them recurring. And realize this is in our hands. We have this era outdistanced our capacity to care, it seems, for wonder. The scent and pink flowers of wild growing thyme, or farigal, which gives this place its name, and the green silver leaves so delicate, yet resistant to the mistrals blowing over terraces and olive bark, flourish in scattered places, past potsherds and bone, and hopefully, Long after this endangered outline has weathered, that which we have made a storm will come to add savour for those who wander through. If I and we and you can rediscover a way to go. Thank you. That was David Anoon reading a poem from Resonance Field, his new collection of poetry. So, David, did you... Um, begin with a, a concept for this for this collection or did the poems kind of accrue in that direction? I think the, the answer is definitely the second one Peter. I think they accrued over time. They're poems written um, over a four or five year period um, and I think the things that are in my, in my mind about uh, global warming and the preciousness of human life and all the interconnections we see. After all, these poems are connected with the visual art of Thomas Ingmeyer. So, you know, I was thinking about all these different connections that press in on us um, and which are so important to our daily living, but which we often don't take account of. And were the poems also a response to the calligraphy or did the calligraphy was the calligraphy a response to the poems, or have you sort of juxtaposed them together? It's a real old mixture over the years. Sometimes Thomas has come to me and said, hey, David, <laughs> what do you think about this? You know, Take a look at this. Couldn't I just start with a few marks and you write a few lines? In fact, one of those poems is in the book where he just made a few lines, I made a few words, and we took it from there. We, we alternated about eight times. And he ends up with this tremendous, wonderful tableau of words and shapes on the page. But at other times, I would go to him and say, I've got this poem. There's an anniversary coming up. Have you thought about what you could do with this? So it's it's a real old, if you like, smogger's broad of, of different types of, sorry, of collaboration going on. And, um, I mean, you've had a, a series of collections out before, and is this a, a departure in some way, or is it? do you see a continuation from your previous work? All my books are very different. I mean, this is a very different book from the last one, Red Bank, which was about the Beatles and the Battle of Red Bank, the last, the last battle of the English Civil War. Um, very different texture to the poems. I'm a very impatient person in terms of writing. I get bored quickly. And each poem is very, very different from each other. And each collection is very, very different. But I think the concerns, I think the underlying concerns, I think the background motivation um, is, is always, always 
very much the same. Well, David, let's hear another poem from the collection, Resonance Field. Okay, I'm going to read one called Palimpsest. You know, uh, a palimpsest is where you're perhaps looking at an old uh, piece of vellum or something, and other writing from previous texts starts to come through. Um, a most magical moment, because, of course, paper and folios and, and vellum were used multiple, multiple times. This And this time, there was a man called Angelo Mai, and he was in the Vatican. He was a priest, and he was looking rather bored through the Psalms, Augustine Psalms, that he was reading every day. And all of a sudden, he saw Cicero's Republica, which was a book written, was a lost book, and it was written 18 centuries previously. And all of a sudden, this story about this young man who went to Africa and had a dream comes up. And Angelo Mai is drawn into that story. And uh, there's a little Latin in it, and it's simply tantus et tam dulcis. And it means loud and sweet. That's all it means. But I thought I'd I quote a bit of the original Latin, as is. And it's all about how writing never stops, how thinking never stops, how there's always writing under the writing. So palimpsest. Of writing and dreaming writing under the writing and working in the Vatican Library, Angelo Mai discovering under a common copy of Augustine Psalms, a work thought missing for 18 centuries, surfacing minutely. Cicero's Republica containing the dream of Scipio, where he, a young man visiting Africa, was visited by his deceased grandfather in dream, who lifted him up so that he looked down from a high place full of stars shining and splendid, where Carthage and Rome where is nothing beside the blazing stars, the vast universe and celestial spheres. And as he stares in wonder, he begins to hear a music, tantus et tam dulcis, so burgeoning loud and sweet, it ravishes him, this musica universalis. And earth he observes from snowfields to the deserts complete, as if the soul were circle in circle conducive to the whole, protected within this far high sound, rising from words 18 centuries old, hidden beneath the rounds of psalms, so that the dream not be forgotten, rising beyond and towards us, as if the forgotten writing were dreaming, mind through mind, of writing, dreaming writing, under the writing. Thank you very much, David. That was David Anoon reading second poem from Resonance Field, his new collection illustrated by Thomas Ingmeyer. So, David, how do we get hold of the book if we want to, if we want to see these wonderful illustrations and read some more poems? Well, I think it's on Amazon. Um, but, I mean, there's an Aquifer, A-Q-U-I-F-E-R, website that it can easily be um, procured from. And I know the editor of the, 
<laughs> of the publisher will be very grateful um, for your uh, custom. Love the nouns, love the pronouns, impersonal and personal. Love the words from ELFM. Hello, I'm Julia Deakin. I used to live and work in Leeds, and this poem, first written for the Leeds University project, Leeds to Leeds, is now in an anthology called Reflected Light, published this year by greyhenpress.com. Outside Leeds City Art Gallery is a big Henry Moore bronze, as you'll probably know, called Reclining Woman, brackets, elbow which a young male member of gallery staff described on the website as pure sex. I like to think, if you'll excuse the pun, that there is more to it. Reclining Woman, Elbow, 1981 Twenty-nine years I sprawled outside the gallery after Moore chose me, me, as his tour de force. Neither naked nor draped in the stuff Leeds made and sells, my Jane Austen eyes miss nothing. I watched a generation sidle, circuit, wait for the 81, prod sandwiches, play phone games, flirt. I watched the clouds, the fog, the town hall clock tick round. I watched the all-night cleaners come and go. Whatever the old man meant, I know I sit for the rest they earned, their elbow grease, the hurriers and housemaids' knees, the centuries of broken backs that made Leeds great. A crane came once, six hard hats swung me up over the hedgerow to Amsterdam for a stint on the Rijksmuseum lawn, where I reclined with the best. Gleaming, graffitied, blown on, snowed on, shat on, spat on. See sex in me if you want, young man, but don't underestimate these wall-high hips, these pit-prop biceps. Stick your head here, sunshine, at your own risk. This long-fingered hand can weave, can write, can strum, can calibrate and this left fist can fight. Spreading my bulk as if Leeds were an Eden, I claim my place in the city's pantheon. Lighting the Way by Ros Kendall I had been told she had few pretensions, and it was true. Her office was small, dark and hot, crammed with folders and documents that looked even older than the century itself. She rose as I entered and moved forward, stretching out her hand in greeting. Her fingers were rough to the touch. Maybe it was no lie that she would undertake the same tasks as her staff, although, of course, she had every right to refuse. I am so pleased you have found the time to meet me, Mary. May I call you this? Her face was prepared for a reprimand, 
but I nodded consent. I addressed her more respectfully. By being married and ten years her senior, I was entitled to her deference, and she knew this. Pointing quickly to a high-backed chair, she offered me a seat. "'Has your time in this country been worthwhile?' she asked, a vague smile crossing her lips. "'Was this lady posing me a trick question? "'Our reputations had raced ahead of us, "'and now, at this, our first meeting, we assessed each other.' However, before I spoke, she declared, I sometimes wonder what good I am doing here. I wholeheartedly berated myself then for suspecting her of malice or sarcasm. She was as insecure in her venture as I. We both had been portrayed, in England and other parts, with varying degrees of ridicule. Now we could come to our own conclusions. My enterprise is difficult to explain to the authorities. It has been vilified, but there are certain men who need it, I said. I did never intend to profit from my services, but at least I haven't bankrupted myself. I can work wherever the next conflict occurs. She nodded her understanding. I continued, Good food and drink, some small home comforts, can be as beneficial as nursing care. We, too, are more aware of this than the men who control us. Her lips pulled into a straight, determined line, and her eyes glittered bitterness. I will do everything in my power to show the ineptitude of our leaders in Westminster. They fear a woman who understands politics. I have the calculations to prove how negligent and callous they are. I will disgrace them when I have the opportunity. Perhaps I looked as taken aback as I was. Then, appearing to rein in her fury, she calmed somewhat, saying, However, in the meantime, I can help a little each day, just as you do, Mary. All we can hope is our efforts have paved the way for a Christian future. Dear God, let us pray there will never be another war as horrendous as this. I prayed the same myself, but answered honestly, I fear such things will always happen. By travelling more widely than she, I had witnessed many other tragedies. She wasn't yet forty, and still inexperienced. Her youthful courage and optimism met with as much denigration as her ideals and proposals. But her fervor certainly impressed me. Yes, I agreed, we are both misrepresented. I am seen as a lowly nurse whose only ability is to wash and treat wounds while employing promiscuous female assistants. The fact I provide provisions, own canteens and restaurants is ignored. It's not seemly to have a woman like me running a business which men feel is their domain. She smiled then. True. In fact, I am viewed as an angel walking the hospital wards each night, described as a beacon of hope for the sick and dying. I tell you in confidence, Mary. I take the exercise merely to clear my head. The statistics and figures I work on spin around my brain as I calculate how to force the government to fund my venture further. The caring duties mean little to me. 
I was educated in financial accounting. Why should I waste that knowledge when women in the lower ranks can nurse just as well as I? Did some innate belief in her superiority drive her secret admission? We both have men's brains, I said. Perhaps one day you will speak to them as an equal, possibly even as a member of parliament. And I could see from her unguarded response that it was her ambition. It had once been mine, but my skin tone would never permit it. Finally, we stood to bid each other farewell as I detailed my travel plans. On approaching my carriage, I looked back to see her close her office door and walk in the direction of the fever ward. Her slim outline was illuminated by the light of the famous lamp she held aloft, swaying at the end of a short rope. Love the haiku, love the sonnet, love the quatrain and the couplet, love the words, from East Leeds FM. everyone welcome to east leeds fm we are joined with ian and fiona from the leeds lit fest uh can you tell us about yourself and introduce yourself maybe uh, starting with ian yeah um my name's ian harker i am a poet i'm an editor of uh, strix magazine um which is a poetry and short story uh, magazine based in leeds uh, and i'm one of um the partner organizations or organizers um of leeds lit fest which is now um in its third year how crazy is that fiona <laughs> yes yeah, so i'm fiona gale uh, like ian i am one of the partners of leeds lit fest um, in my own right, I work for the Leeds Library uh, as their marketing and communications officer, but also I run Leeds Big Bookend and Northern Short Story Festival. Um, so I've got many hats, and um, usually all with a literature kind of tilt to them. So, um, yeah, I, I'm big into books, put it like that. <laughs> so, uh, first of all, can you just tell us what Leeds Fest, Leeds Lit Fest is actually, actually is? Yeah, we can do that for sure, George. Um, so Leeds Lit Fest is a, uh, an organisation that has 10 partners um, and we're all arts-based organisations and Chapel FM is one too. Um, so we know Peter very well. Um, and um, so we exist to promote literature in the city and our partner organisations have been doing this for uh, many years individually. And uh, three years ago, we came together and decided that it would be fantastic to have a lit fest for Leeds because there had never been one. So the 10 partners have worked together over three years to continue Leeds Lit Fest. And this year we've got 26 events over six days with more than 50 writers and performers taking part. The majority of the festival is free bar two workshops. Um, and so people can just register Join us for a free ticket for wh whichever events that they like. Uh, but we're just asking if uh, you can afford it, you would give us a small donation to help us with the running costs for this year and then going forward into the future. 
because we want to stay around. We want to do this every year. Uh, so, um, you know, and, and sort of highlight all those amazing things about Leeds and literature uh, and go beyond and bring in new voices to the city and, and internationally as well. Yeah, so it's just one thing because of COVID this year, for, most stuff has gone online. So it's just one what actual form is Lee's Lit Festival taking this year? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, back um, in the summer when we all were first able to, to meet up um, when um, lockdown restrictions eased, um, we started talking about what we wanted to do and, and whether we wanted to run Lee's Lit Fest, whether we we're going to be able to run it um, again uh, this, for this year, for 2021. Uh, and all the partners, you know, unanimously said, we've got to do something. We, you know, we need to give um, the right talent of Leeds in the region a platform and we need to uh, give people something to look forward to. Um, we thought back then that we might be able to do uh, like in-person uh, events at one of the many venues across the city that have hosted us um, but obviously that hasn't worked out uh, that way sadly so the festival is um, this year entirely 100% on Zoom um, the platform we're using um, at the moment um, which has actually um, been working out really well so far. We've had uh, loads of engagement, we've had loads of registrations, and, and we're getting people um, signing up for events that, um, for the first time, that haven't been to a Leeds Lit Fest event before. So, yeah, uh, we're, we're on Zoom for this year. <laughs> so now we have a little bit of an insight of what Leeds Lit Fest is. Can you tell us who your main target is and who the festival is actually for? The festival, Ellie, is for everybody. You can be five to 105 and we want you to just log in, get onto your Zoom account and come and have some fun for six days with Leeds Lit Fest. So it is, I promise you it's for everybody. And once you've had a look at the programme, I'm sure you will agree that you can find something um, that will, if you think about your family, I think you'll be able to find something for each of them that they might like to um, you know, come along and listen to and, and take part in. So it is for everybody. Uh, what, what, how many events are there? Like, um, what are the events like specifically? Well, um, we've got twenty six events, George, and um, they the, the program is quite big. So I don't know if you want me to run through everything. It, it it's just a, a, a sort of a, a very big program. But where you can go and find out is if you go to our website. You go to www leadslitfest.co.uk it's really easy there's a what's on page and you can just look for yourself and see what you know what you might um might want to engage with um we've got um a huge variety of different kinds of events so you know it's not just uh, uh reading um, events like traditional reading events we've got um uh, discussion groups we've got um, interactive events um for children um we've got a, a really um, varied uh, a small but perfectly formed um lineup ian uh what are you looking forward to for just what are you looking forward to for the lit fest i suppose that the number one uh, event that i'm looking forward to um is uh, happening on Friday, um, the 5th of March. It's an event um, called Bridges, um, and it features um, four or five fantastic poets um, whose work that I really love. Um, that's Malaika Booker, um, Keo Chingoyoni, Abdullah Adekola, and Emily Zobel Marshall. And that event uh, is called Bridges, uh, and it's working with two organizations um, the David Olawali Memorial Association. 
and um, Leeds Irish Health and Homes. Um, Leeds Irish Health and Homes are launching a, a, a poetry anthology um, that them and their partners and people that they work with uh, have put together. Uh, it's called, um, I think I'm pronouncing this correctly, the, um, the COVID Coil. Um, and it's a response uh, of the Irish community to um, COVID and to lockdown. Uh, and uh, there's also, of course, it's an Irish event. There's going to be some music uh, as well from from Dave Hurley and friends. Um, and then um, I'm really proud to support um, DOMA, the David Olawali Memorial Association, in raising money for a blue plaque on Leeds Bridge to David Olawali, um, the Nigerian-British um, citizen whose body was pulled out of the River Air uh, in 1969 and they've been campaigning um, for many years to remember his life and campaign against uh, issues of uh, racism, um, um, mental health provision um, in the city that affected um, David and obviously many other people today. Um, so it's a joint book launch and um, campaigning um, fundraiser. So that's Bridges on uh, Friday the 5th um, of March. I'm really looking forward to that one. Well, first of all, I'm looking forward to it all because I'm just desperate for literature events that, you know, that we've homegrown uh, within Leeds. So that's, that's my first one. Then I would have to say, for me, the highlight um, is the Costa Book Award winner, Monique Roffey. Uh, and she's a brilliant writer and she's written something, uh, her novel is The Mermaid of Black Conch and it's kind of magical realism uh, and I've read it and it's set on a Caribbean island so it just transports you into this magical world so I really recommend it um, for you to read and it, you know, it's quite hard hitting in places but still really, really brilliant read and she's just won this amazing award, the Costa Book Award for 2020 but the other amazing thing that, that is part of this is that the press, the publisher who produced, uh, who's published Monique's book is based in Leeds and they're PayPal Tree Press and they are the world's largest um, publisher of Caribbean literature. I mean, that that's just fantastic. So to have Monique and PayPal Tree Press represented at LitFest is just brilliant. Um, and then on the, the sort of you could almost say the other end of the scale. So you've got Monique right at the top with her fantastic award and you know all the recognition that comes with it. We're launching four new anthologies of new writing. So, and they're all from Leeds-based organizations. So Ian's already mentioned the um, Irish uh, Health and Homes uh, uh, anthology, which I can never remember how to pronounce. So I'm just gonna leave that one back with Ian. But there are three more. So um, there is uh, This New North from the Northern Short Story Festival. New writing, lots of Leeds people in it. There's Weighted Words from PayPal Tree Press and their reader and, and writers groups. Uh, there's the Irish Anthology and um, I'm just trying to work out what the last one is. Uh, da, da, da. Oh, Reflections from Hannah Stone and Leeds Church Institute. So uh, during the pandemic, Hannah is the poet theologian in residence and she, um, uh, her, her blogs that she wrote uh, every month have been put together in a book. So it's all about reflections about living in COVID times. Um, so really interesting uh, insight into local community. So for me, it's that you've got the peak with Monique Roffey and then you've got the new writing that's coming out of Leeds. Uh, that excites me just as much as Monique coming to Litfest. So there you go, Johan.
Uh, yeah, I I just wanted to add: is there any specific specific um, events that would target towards kind of young people in particular? Yeah, um, uh, we've got a couple of events uh, that have been brought to us by um, Leeds Libraries um, on the Saturday. Um, again, they're pay as you feel. Um, they're an hour um, each, um, so uh, you know it's a good a good time for it. Um, uh, for example, there's Harry Heap happening at uh, eleven till twelve. Book gobbling, would you believe? Um, uh, based around his shiny Pippin um, books, it's an interactive session from Harry Heap. Uh, on how to make funny characters and how to put them uh, into an engaging and amazing story. Um, so that's happening um, on the uh, Saturday, which is the sixth um, Harry Heap, for example. Uh, and then um, uh, we've got uh, an another event um, straight after that with Liz Million, uh, an interactive um, drawing session, uh, again, happening on Zoom. So um, if you are a family, if you've got uh, kids at home and they're climbing the walls and maybe you're climbing the walls with them, um, we've got two events on the Saturday um, to uh, to distract them. Yeah, so that all sounds really amazing. But also, what does, what effect, what impact do you hope both these events and all the other events that Leeds Lit Fest has to offer, what impact do you hope that this will have, especially during COVID times and this year? Well, I mean... Um, we hope, just as Fiona said, that um, it's not just about celebrating uh, people at uh, the peak of their career. You know, um, last year, uh, one of our big headliners was Roger Robinson. Uh, his book, A, Port A Portable Paradise, had, uh, he just won um, the T.S. Eliot Prize at that time, one of the biggest poetry prizes um, in the country. Um, it was it was almost like he got off uh, got out of a taxi from the award ceremony <laughs> when when he performed for us. Um, so it's amazing to celebrate the established writers and Leeds has got such a um, a big history of amazing writers that we want to celebrate. But really, the great thing is to think that people will go away um, from our events. Um, and they will start putting pen to paper. They will start um, recording their own stuff. They'll start making their own work. We'll get, we need a new generation um, of writers, or a new generation of all ages. You know, uh, it's not just about getting young people to start writing, older people as well. We need new writers. We need to invest in new talent all the time. And that ultimately is what I hope Leeds Lit Fest will do best. Love the nouns, love the pronouns, impersonal and personal. Love the words from ELFM.